Hey, listen, after Christmas... After Christmas? The price of being included in our private forum goes up. So right now, it's what's the price right now? $67. You pay it once. You're in our Mind Pump private forum. It's a treasure trove of support information. Uh, you get to connect with the hosts of Mind Pump. What's a Trevor trove? A treasure Tre- trove. Treasure trove. Tre- not a Trevor trove. What's a yeah. treasure trove? Treasure trove. It's a lot of beautiful gems. It's like a. It's like yeah, like T R O V E. Yeah, yeah lots so like, of money. Like you open the hatch at the at the pirate ship, and oh, I found like, the treasure yarr. trove. You know what I'm saying? I love that. I learned time a new to word party. Today. So uh, our forum is. Can amazing. I put that anywhere else? Is that the only place I get interjected? Is when we're talking about treasure? Can you, you can. Put, yeah. No, no, no. It's just it can be anything where there's a plethora a of trove. A plethora of things. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean. We could see what troves like. That's like. a that's a trove of trees yeah, over there. We'll I could say that of a trove, a treasure trove of trees, like All a bunch right. of beautiful trees. What are we doing? I have to say treasure first. Uh, I think usually you maybe no. I think a trove. I'm sorry to detour your commercial, but I feel like if I didn't ask you now, Son I wouldn't of a learn. Bitch, yeah. I forgot what I was saying. Oh yeah, forum will be going up in price right now. Sixty seven dollars one time fee. You're in the private forum for life. That price is going up after Christmas and. Not too long after that, it will never, it will not be a one-time fee. We're going to change it to something you pay annually. So this is a great time to get into the Mind Pump private forum. Sixty-seven bucks. You can find it at mindpumpmedia.com. It's a treasure trove. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go: Mind Pump. Mind Pump with your hosts Sal DeStefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. How do you guys feel? Are you okay right now? What that like that, what, that we lost like, the video like, game? Like my yeah, feelings? That, yeah, are you okay? Oh, I mean, bro. It's Doug gonna, and I Doug and it's I put gonna it, take a lot more than than getting boom shakalaka. Yeah, Doug and I put it down on you guys on NBA Jam pretty well hey, there. Listen. That's pretty good. Oh, I mean oh, three points. I feel like yeah, it was it the, the cool. score didn't really tell the story yeah. because oh, it didn't. Okay. the first half, yeah. uh, Doug didn't even know his pass and shoot button. Once he figured that out <laughs> I didn't know I could turbo the whole time. We came storm so we came storming out, we came uh, storming back. I feel like Adam really knows that game really well. And I feel like he picked the two games well, no. that he really knows well. Whatever, Justin. Listen, we were both handicapped, okay? so you Although know, Justin well, did dominate the fuck out of... Uh, off-road. Off-road. Yeah. Off-road is definitely... I can't wait till we get Street Fighter. Just much. wait till I got a little bit of a Dude, finessing you can, with you the should know. We get should... Street Fighter, it's going to be shit on your FaceTime. <laughs> Finally, I've been waiting. <laughs> you know, yeah. you say that, but you should already you know, know from I'm your experience that. from getting your ass whooped at off road and the NBA Street Fighter is a different story, dude. <laughs> because you actually played Why? that one. Who's your guy? Yeah, I'll beat you with anybody. You <laughs> pick my statement. guy, and I, I'll win. I'll beat you with Das Lee. You gotta have Chung Lee, motherfucker. I'll beat you That's with right. Chun Chun yeah. Lee. Yeah, I'll Fine. all day long, all over your face. I'll be E Honda, and I'll fucking slap the shit. Can I tell you something about E Honda for reals now? E Honda. If you know, if you know how to use E Honda, you'll destroy everybody. Yeah, it's easy. Very easy. Same with Blanca. It's just fucking dumb. No, Blanca will electrocute you all day. Yeah. So you guys are dead. It's lame. Well, You're dead. I, I do. Who's your favorite guy though on Street Fighter? Uh, probably Guile. Me too. Damn it. Are you good with the flash we, kick? Yeah. Hell yeah. Damn. Remember, remember yeah. when uh, you're trying to get the turbo version, right? Yeah. Is that where Guile can do the double flash kick? Like hit you twice with it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I want, I want uh, Street Fighter he 2 does the Championship Edition. Too, right? Can I get that's, a, that's what we want. That's the best one. Where you get, like, flips. No, that's, no, that's Ryu Chun-Li. or Ken. That's Chun-Li. That's Ryu or Ken or Chun-Li. Okay. Um, what about, uh, does, can I play like Vega or Bison? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's oh. all. If I play Bison, you can pretty much, you might as well go home. There. <laughs> you just go home. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to go. You know wow. what? I was going to just let these games be here for a little bit, but I feel like all this shit talking, I'm going to have yeah. to go get the other one. You're going to need to get that and probably Mortal Kombat. So I, can those were, so, I never played Mortal Kombat. So those Kombat. were the two that I, I played Killer Instinct. Yeah. Remember that? Scorpion. Remember wins. Killer Instinct? Super combo or whatever. Ultra combo. Like 800 hits. Uh, I would love to. That was a fun game. I would love to Contra? track down the Golden Axe, which Justin talked yeah, about. The yeah, yeah, that yeah. was one of my favorite. It's it probably was, all time one of my favorites. It would be great I to, never played that. I like the four player ones that we can all get in on. Yeah. And, and like that one's cool because it's like there's. Yeah, we all go on an epic journey together. Yeah, it's yeah. like Lord of the Rings. It's uh, very steroids. I got it's very mind pump-esque. I got an idea because yeah. we have the video game that we have the arcade set up to be <clears> free, of course. But here's what I think should oh, happen. Oh, we're charging. Our, bro, when our friends come over, we're charging them. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. drop them quarters. Yeah. For free. Yeah, yeah, come on, bro. Uh, but and set it up so it's a we dollar a game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a silver dollar. Yeah. They have to go some some bank and get like yeah. silver dollars. But no, okay, we'll, we'll, have co- we'll have coins that convert the money into like fucking like <laughs> well, for mind, mind pump, pump coins, tokens. Mind pump tokens. Yes. <laughs> 
that's beautiful. It I'm buys talking. you. It Holy you, shit! Let's get a you, bunch of mind pump. Uh, bro, yeah. then it gets your. You get your night five nitro or five uh, five tokens. Uh-huh. Get you a nitro coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Or but, but I two want tokens. Get you a game of, on the token. It's got to have our <laughs> and faces. Then ten though. tokens get you a stripper. It's got to have our faces on the tokens because <laughs> yeah. I always want. Should to always a, have a stripper in here. What? <laughs> just, what? just stand by. Yeah. Just. Oh my god! Somebody's got ten tokens. Look how bring her out. Look how brave Justin is because his wife never listens to mind pump. I'm challenging our relationship for yeah. her to listen. So yeah. I'm just gonna keep saying crazy shit. Yeah, tell some people start talking. Did you hear what your husband said? <laughs> Did you know your husband wants to wants to have a hooker? Uh, uh, oh, sorry, I said hooker. I, I think your sister listens, so I better mind my p's and q's. So yeah. no, uh, uh, this is what I think we should do. I think when we play, whoever loses needs to put like a quarter in something. You know what I mean? No. So if you win, you free. Like but where? if you lose, what do you mean? I don't know. Like, we'll put <laughs> yeah, it in a jar. Like, yeah, okay, in a you're jar. talking about orifices? Yeah, I'm no. not okay with this. You guys need to calm down. Where are you going my, with this? My God. Okay, you lost. Put the quarter here. <laughs> no, no, no. It's in right like a jar. It's like a, it's like a jar. And then at the end of the whatever quarter or whatever, we take that jar of money. And then we. Hey, are you guys are you guys exi- as excited as I am right now? I'm really excited about. Uh, well, I don't. Hold on a second. When, um, we don't know when this episode is going to air, so you. I don't know what you're well, going to say. How excited? Why can't I, I say it? No. Like it's what? Doug said tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, this episode airs yeah. tomorrow. So they'll oh, be good. listening to this, and we will be in Austin, Texas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we're going to go. I'm to more the- excited that we're not crying on this episode. That's probably good. Oh man, <laughs> you know can I just say right now? You guys are pussies. Last, <laughs> last uh, you guys got all emotional. I feel like I needed that. I needed so you to say that. I'm glad you guys confirmed it because yeah. while you guys were talking about influencers in your life, I was looking at like when Adam went first, and I was like, "Is he getting?" Yeah. I don't know. I could. I wasn't sure. Well, that's I was like, bullshit. Because he emotional? went first, and then his shit like affected me. Yeah, I'm like, is he getting emotional? <laughs> you know, like, I, like it was like contagious. And then I looked at Justin. I'm like, is Justin like, getting emotional? And I couldn't. <laughs> I wasn't a hundred percent sure because I'm like. I was thinking to myself, like, there's no way I, my uh, my business partners are that big of pussies. But it turns out, it's, it turns out you guys are. Well, Apparent, when you when you apparently. started talking, I didn't I, honestly. It, it was that's it, not even an emotional topic for me. But you, it made me revisit that moment yeah. and yeah. like fucking a that moment was just mm. powerful, you know. Yeah. And you don't really when you've. I mean, and I've told that story several times, and I'm sure I've gotten a little emotional telling you before I told it. Like uh, it was my best man in my best man speech with him. So. Uh, and I did cry, but man, uh, right now I, I didn't feel like that was the energy of the room when we were talking, but then yeah. when I was like, you were making me think about that and I'm like, oh my God, like, God, if I knew I would have hugged you or something, but have, you, have you ever just to make you cry yeah. more? Have you ever seen a situation like that? I, I, I've never, uh, that was the first time I had experienced, uh, that type of leadership where like grown ass men were like crying cause you were leaving, you know, like yeah. that's. That's a big I've deal. I've seen a coach go yeah. out like that. Yeah, like a coach. Yeah. You would see like a really good, powerful or Every, a teacher. Everybody was like, oh, fuck. Like a really comes. good teacher, right? Oh. That's done that. Fight it! Oh. Then, you, then it comes out. And the guy, the guy who, the guy who, the harder you fight it, the harder it comes out. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, no, that's that's, how, that's why this happened. Right? Nobody was crying, but then and then the guy who stood up and hugged Mark was like kind of like the hard ass out of everybody too. That was what made it really tough because the person who you would never think. What if, what if instead of everybody crying, like he like hugs him and starts crying and everybody's like, the fuck's wrong with you, man? <laughs> Why are you crying? Totally yeah. would have a different impact yeah. on me, like, get, right? Get yeah. off of me. Isn't that crazy yeah. when you think about that? It, the, because of how it all played out, it yeah. had this huge uh, impact on me emotionally, you know, there's forever. no, there's no, there's, I'm jo- all joking aside. There's no, there's nothing wrong with showing emotion no, of course at all. Not. There's, no. there's definitely yeah. cry babies, but those are, yeah. they don't even have to cry. Those are just people that complain. They about need everything. safe rooms and, and shit. That's yeah. different. But I mean, letting out emotion, that's nothing wrong with that. Shit yeah. And I mean, it, I cry when I, okay. I don't cry. There's certain things that will definitely get me emotional. And there's very few things that'll do that. And one of them is anything my kids do. Anything my kids do. That's like great. Or, you know, I'm, of course, I'm, his, I'm the dad, right? So, so everything's, everything's, great, everything's great. Oh, my God, he drew his first yeah. picture. <laughs> Dude, like, my, oh, my daughter drew a picture yeah. of, like a you know. a stick figure of you? Yeah, or, or my son. Or I'm no, so proud. No, my daughter had this, like, project for school where they had to draw a picture of, like, one of their favorite people. She drew a picture of my son, her big brother, and all the things she likes about him and stuff like that. And I saw it, and I, it was on her oh, on her door, and I was like, feels. "Oh my god!" So, right in the feels. you know, I, I, I'm really interested for you guys as you as they get older, because I've always been curious, like as a father, um, and you, when you have a kid who plays a sport or even in a subject or anything. You know, and because you like you just said, you're really biased, right? As as a parent, because you everything they do, you love and you and you and you support, which is all, and you're supposed to be. At what point, though, do you like? Let's say your kid is just 
just sucks at something, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you know they suck at it. Do you yeah. ever know that they suck at it, or because you're a father? You I feel you're like so it's a phase. you're so biased <laughs> that you're just like yeah. my kid's beautiful and awesome, and no, you're no, like no, 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 your kid's actually you know stupid. When you're, no, you know, <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Yeah. So yeah. my my kid's dumb. No, you mm. know, you know when I your think kid, you would know. You yeah. know when your kid sucks at something, yeah. and that's fine. It's a uh, it's always an opportunity for growth and for whatever. Yeah. It's not a big well. That's to me that those are the best opportunities. If if a kid's great at everything i don't think that teaches him much at all no. it's it's his failures it's his uh the ones that his challenges and how you as a father help him uh press through those or handle those situations that are going to be what grow him into this incredible man or daughter depending on who you're talking so to. so i'll tell you what i hate you know we're talking about emotional shit and we're talking about kids i'll tell you what i i can't stand this fucking uh thing on facebook that shows you uh, flashback from three years ago or four uh, years ago, yeah. and it just happened this morning, dude. Flashback four years ago, yeah. and it's a video. Here's who you were that I was taking of my kids in the back of my car, and they were singing along to the music, mm-hmm. and they're so young and everything. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, four years goes by like nothing when, oh, you're, yeah. when you're a parent. Oh my god, destroyed yeah. me this morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh fuck, yeah. man, my kids they grow up so fast. They're assholes well, now, but they know, used to be so cute. No, what is that? The Giving Tree, that book. Oh, I hate that, dude! That book killed me. I actually, that actually, actually, actually like, there's oh my god, it's happening. Yeah, there's <laughs> the there's gift, definitely the books for kids that you'll read to your kid. Oh, that, that that book will destroy you. There's one the called Giving Tree. Yeah, dude, don't you don't want to read? Don't it. don't make fun. You bro. don't want to read it. Trust me. I, you you'll read it right now and cry. Yeah. <laughs> read it to your read it to your dogs. You'll cry. Yeah. There's a there's a book called um, I Love You Always or Forever or something like that. And it's about this 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 kid with his mom and how the mom takes care of the baby and I love you always and forever and as the boy grows up and she you know puts a bandaid on his knee because he scraped his knee or whatever and then the boy gets up and then the mom starts to get old and then he's carrying his old mom yeah. to bed and he's saying the same shit to her, fucking Ugh. horrible, horrible. Someone bought that for my kid for for their okay, birthday and I'm reading it and as I'm getting this is going through, in the wrong direction. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Stop I'm like, doing. This. I'm gonna. I'm not yeah. gonna read the book anymore. Yeah, don't do this. <laughs> Fuck Let's this not bullshit. Get all fucking weepy and shit. Yeah. So, so I want to ask you guys your opinion about something. So this morning, you know, I'm driving over here in, in uh, Silicon Valley traffic, which is extremely. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a little challenging. And uh, some dude cut me off, and you know, in your car you yell, so he can't hear me. <laughs> but uh, what, I, what's your go-to uh, uh, come like come at somebody with? Like, no, what, what's no, the so word? I want to know. <laughs> yeah. So, so check this out. So, fucking yeah, no. So I yelled at him, but I yelled like a schoolyard insult. Like it wasn't yeah. one that adults say. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, he fucking cut me off. I'm like, you're fucking ugly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's so I, what I was looking for. So I thought to myself, like, wow, like, that is so much more effective. That's so childish. That, yeah. it, is, it would be so yeah. much, like, imagine, like. But it hits you right away, because that's all. That's the only time you have. That Because well, when you're a kid, when <laughs> you you're know, a kid. You got you to just hit them. Well, I was going to say is when you're a kid and you insult someone, yeah. you actually pick something about them right. that you see. Like, yeah. you're, oh, like your hair fucking sucks. Yeah, your four eyes. Or, yeah. oh, you freckle face. Like, shit that will actually hurt someone's feelings. Then when you get older it's like you're all bony you're like you're an you're, asshole yeah, yeah you're an asshole and i thought to myself like that's effective like, like damn like if someone fucks with you out in the real world like you should really pick at something <laughs> yeah. you do not yeah. teach people right now people be, with blue shirts suck how to be meaner you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what you need to do you just need yeah. to, you need to insult them better because yeah. then it'll feel much better yeah yeah exactly it, it would, i think it'll work you know what i mean it'll be more effective <laughs> it'll like, feed oh yeah well you're fat like yeah. somebody who's actually yeah. fat they'd be like oh my god like did you just call them you know yeah it gives us power <laughs> How effective would that be? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, well your wife's ugly. You know, shit like that. So the, the guy cut you off. This is you yelled this in your car. He obviously didn't hear you. Yeah, no, I yelled at my car, and I, I, like as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm laughing because I'm mean, just like, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> like, you're fucking ugly. You know, like you're fucking what? ugly. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> fucking likes you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, have no, you have no friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. Your mom never loved you. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> some shit like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's the one I'm gonna practice. I'm gonna do like a like a family deep one. I thought. Oh, like, dude, that yeah. would suck. But I feel yeah. your I, father said you dude, were a mistake. Yeah, no, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. But like something you can clearly see about yeah. someone, like w- why you're looking at them, that you know that they're insecure about. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, you're, you're short. You know what I mean? Like a dude would be like, oh fuck, man. Yeah. Like that's why she left you. Like, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am short. You know what I mean? You're a terrible father. <laughs> Your kids are ugly. <laughs> I knew Justin would like that shit. Uh, 
it's I'm, like so specific, you know, like, like oh my god, like it really could probably. Work. That's, you know what? That's exactly like how horoscopes me? work. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> think about it. That's how horoscopes work. How does a horoscope? You just flip it. You yeah. make it really negative. But you will not succeed. But I just yeah. feel. Like, I just feel like. I just feel like insult insults yeah. as adults to random people. Like are just, your ideas suck. They're just not. They're too general. They're not effective. Like if you really want to hurt someone's feelings, <laughs> just look at them and find something you know they're insecure about, and then use that. That. That's <laughs> Absolutely. So much more effective. Uh, uh, what a great point. Yeah. Uh, awful advice right there. Yeah. And here comes the insecure <laughs> quad it's eagle. Kind of, it's kind of limp in its way oh, with he, his, his fucked up wings. He looks pissed. being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Oliver Cunningham, our first question. Can you talk more about being a better salesman? Or saleswoman, example, selling self during an assessment. Oh, okay, that's a good subject. I always Sales. like talking about this kind of stuff. Final, final, you final know, Sunday. I know, I know, I've said this uh, probably ten times on previous podcasts here, but I'm going to say it again because I want to hammer this home. Sales skills are a communication skills. That's it. Mm. Period. End of story. If you don't understand that in your mind, if you think that sales skills are somehow different than just effective communication, right. it will influence how you communicate when you're trying to sell a product um, in a couple different ways. Either one, you're turned off by salespeople, so you immediately don't want to become one of them. So you're like, fuck that. I'm not going to sell. I'm just going to be myself, and they're just going to hire me because they like me. Or B, uh, you're you're gonna actually become a bullshitter mm. and lie to people because that's what you think. And there's no like one size fits all. No, you, know, you have to hone in on what your skill set is. No, a sales are it's just effective communication. That's it. And you got to understand what's effective. The way you communicate is effective if it's effective for that other person. It has nothing to do with how God, effective that's you think. That's a very good point. You should elaborate on that. I yep. think learning to be a chameleon is is which is all part of what you're saying as far as effective communication. Well, you brought that up with the mirroring uh, technique, right? Yeah, yeah, mirroring is something that you'll find uh, if you find yourself, uh, if you're a natural communicator, if you're one of those people that consider yourselves a natural communicator, you'll find these traits in yourself that happen naturally. You probably haven't have, have never identified them. And in fact, most people kind of do this a little bit. And I'll give you an example. If you have a friend who has an accent um, or has a certain hand gesture or says a word or a phrase that they always say, and you find yourself starting to pick up on it. Mm. And, and I know some people get irritated by that. Like, why am I, you know, why am I all of a sudden sounding like I have an English accent when I'm talking to my friend <laughs> who has an English yeah, accent? Why am I, you know, always talking like this? Yeah, it's 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 not because you're, you're you're. It's something subconscious, but it's it's a natural way to to get the person to to, to be more effective with your communication because people listen to people who remind them of themselves more because you've got something uh, in common. That's what mirroring is. So just become more aware of it. And when you're talking to someone, whether they're energetic or more quiet or more reserved or standing or sitting or how they're sitting, uh, mirroring them tends to get them to uh, uh, want to listen to what you're saying more. The second thing is uh, asking questions is very important in communication Talking is actually less important than than getting the other person to talk and open up. Let's dissect that a little bit. I think that um, you know something that I, I used to teach is you know the desired outcome and understanding. Like, okay, I'm trying to get this person to enroll, like, and he's asking about assessments, right? So I'm trying to get this person to enroll in, in personal training, and this I feel like applies to anything, whether you're in sales for cars or insurance or whatever is the desired outcome is that they purchase this from you, and so from there you work your way backwards. You work your way backwards by asking all the right questions to lead them into that direction. So if my, my ultimate goal, and I used to do things like um, I would challenge myself to choose the desired outcome before I even met the person. Now, that is not a, not ideal for my the client and the person that I'm selling to, but it was ideal for me to get better and sharpen my skills as far as like saying, okay, so like I would have a guest who was, was coming in for assessment, never met this person before. Maybe I know like 
you know, if it's a male or a female and their age and maybe a little bit about who they are coming in, but I really don't know much, right? Whether I don't know, I don't know their financial status. I don't know their commitment level. I don't know any of these things. I just know that they're coming to see me. They could be a potential customer. And then I would just like set this goal for myself. Like, okay, I'm going to sell them 37 sessions of personal training. And I would do a weird number like that. And then I would see how well I could, I could talk and ask them questions and lead them in the direction of 37 sessions. Now, someone listening to that, that's a, a very good personal trainer is being like, well, that's kind of a fucked up way to do things. Mm. Like, or that's not, well, you're not really helping that person. But when we're well, talking- you anchor on a higher number first? Well, d- generally, right? Yeah. You know, it sounds to me <clears throat> like you were just challenging yourself. That's exactly to right. To learn, yeah. Yeah, and this, this apply, the reason why I'm sharing this is because you don't necessarily need to do this on an actual customer. You ideally would sharpen your skills. And doing, they would tell you what they want. Yeah, right. And, that's, and that, that's the idea. And that's when you get good, right? When you get really good, you can move within the conversation by asking all the right questions and lead them in whatever direction that you want to. But at first, you have to establish where you want to go. Mm-hmm. I think that where a lot of people get nervous in sales is they have a person and they they, they get they uh, get so hyped up about, oh, what they have to do right now. I have to sell this person. Like, oh, they mm-hmm. may not have money or I, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. And they, they start thinking of all, it's like, whoa, take a deep breath. What do I want to accomplish from this conversation? What do I want to get them to purchase? Now I just need to keep asking questions until I lead them into that direction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you got to, I think, practice that uh, whether you do it with, you know, putting customers in front of you or with, I used to do it with my other trainers. I would, I would grab someone like Sal and he would be like another peer of mine and I would like blindside him. And, and I would approach the conversation with trying to convince you to buy 37 sessions. And you had no idea because I'm just walking up for all, you know, I'm just coming to say hi to you and how's work today. But then right away I would go right into like a role play and say like, you know, so Sal, tell me a little bit about your fitness goals and what you're trying to accomplish. And most of the trainers that worked with me or for me would pick up on that and then they would just start role playing with me. And I would just keep trying to challenge myself with different numbers that I was trying to get to as far as how much I was. And you can use this for all different types of uh, training packages. You can do this with like car sales or any other sales is, you know, challenge your your skill set of you know, okay, I want to get to this. This is the desired outcome. Now, how do I keep asking this person these questions? Uh, I think women are really good at this with men. Like if you're in a relationship, like pay attention to how your wife or your girlfriend talks to you to get you to do the things that she wants you to do. Like women Hmm. have this natural ability to do this to they impregnate your brain. You, you, they guys, do. you guys do realize that the uh, when it comes it's to sales, they've actually done you know these kind of uh, studies on this, and women are uh, exceptional salespeople. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, I believe mo- majority of salespeople in the world um, are women. I know we think of guys as being the salespeople, but women um, tend to do a better job. At, oh, at, and women? I think it's because they're, well, they're, they're empathy. Like, it's mental. It's well, their, no, they're, they're, it's com- empathy. No, they're communicators. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, 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 I mean, that's... that's they, they've, they've sharpened that skill like to, to the toppest of its level. Pay attention. Pay attention to how both of you guys as women... I know both of your girls, and I know my girl. Like, they're very... They uh, they are very good at asking these questions, asking you questions to lead to whatever, whether it be watching a movie that they want to watch or having dinner at a place they want to have dinner or mm. or getting you to help out around the house more or whatever it is that you're not doing. Uh, women women tend to have a very, especially very smart women that you're around, I feel like have this this innate ability to do this, whether they realize that they're closing or not. Some of right. them are intelligent enough to know what they're doing. And then some of them just naturally have it. That skill, I feel like, is something that, you know, everybody should practice. And like Sal said, it's just, it's effective communication. But don't just go in it as like, oh, I'm just going to practice communication. Like, have a goal, set a goal for the conversation. And that's what I mean by the, the number. Like the, I threw out an arbitrary number, like 37. That doesn't matter. It's really about the, the practice of and trying to and harness that skill of controlling a conversation by asking the right questions. Well, also, they, I mean, they mentioned the assessment, like definitely utilizing the assessment to your advantage, whether it's getting them to feel something that they can't do or something, you know, that they feel your passion towards, you know, uh, getting them into a place that they they also want to get to, uh, you know, or, or getting them. I feel like a lot of like really good ways to to really get somebody sucked in and hooked into the conversation is to get them to feel something. Yeah. And so I'll use that, you know, with the body a lot. So they, they really can either sort of connect to the core somehow, or I'll have them do a very specific exercise where I'm kind of somewhat test. I'm not even really testing them. I just want them to feel something <laughs> that, you know, they respond back with me. 
Look, there's, there's a, if you really, I mean, I want to give someone a takeaway, right? I yeah, give I was going to go, I was going to go into, uh, well, just very specific. This is very basic. Done, yeah, yeah, this is very basic now. Takeaway. Okay. <laughs> your, your, your client comes, your potential client comes in for your assessment. Step one, uh, introduce yourself, be very confident, uh, you know, be happy to see them, let them know and always let them know what you're going to do before you do it. By the way, uh, this uh, is a very effective communication tool because it makes people less anxious for the next step. So if I meet, you know, if Justin's a potential customer and, and you know, I shake his hand, hey, Justin, I'm Sal, I'm here, I'm your trainer for your assessment today, how are you? We, we chit chat for a second. Justin, let's go back to my desk so I can ask you a few questions and figure out the direction of our assessment. Now we're gonna go back to my desk and Justin's like, I know what we're gonna do at, my, at his desk. Then you sit down and the first thing you do is, mm-hmm. is, you, is you ask questions about their goals, ask questions about their history, ask questions about their motivation, why, what, what's, what's motivating them now. Ask questions about how many days a week they feel like they can commit uh, to exercise. Ask them why they decided to get the assessment and why they're thinking about hiring a personal trainer. Ask them, have they ever worked with a trainer in the past and what was that experience like mm-hmm. and what they didn't like about it and what they did like about it. When you're done with all that stuff, then you let them know, okay, uh, great, we got all these questions out of the way. I think I know the direction. I want to go with the assessment. What we're going to do now is we're going to go out to the workout floor, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take you through whatever. I'm going to take you through a squat. squat uh, uh, I'm going to take you through posture. I'm going to take you through a row. I'm going to look at your shoulder function because you said your shoulder bothers you. I'm going to look at how your knees move because you said your knees bother you. Um, and then based upon what I see in the assessment, I'm going to make some recommendations. Is that okay? And they'll say yes. Now they know they're going to go on the workout floor. Now you go on the workout floor. Now let, me, let me elaborate on exactly what you just said because this is, you, we assess the same way, and, yeah. and, and, the, and this is how I sell the same way. Now, when I get you on the floor and I'm doing this stuff with you, I just, Sal has now gathered all this information. He has yep. assessed him. They, now he, you know your focal points. Yes. He sees their imbalances. He's already asked him questions on like their commitment level. If they're serious about this, that he's already asked if, uh, if your wife supports your decision and is she all about it too? Your, his a family, his work situation, uh, what his hours and schedule is. He's already probably committed him to a time for himself. That's always a great co- commitment question is, you know, this is obviously you're, you're here for a reason. You have goals, you haven't accomplished them on your own. So if something needs to change today, let's, let's first start with something is, is just committing yourself to amount of time to, to dedicate for yourself. How many times per week can you dedicate yourself to, uh, working out, whether it be, you know, one hour every other day or these days, like, but this is something that I always try and help people with first is establishing a, a solid schedule. They know they can make that time because you're going to get, the busy, the family, the kid, you're going to get all these excuses. So before you ever get to money, before you ever doing that stuff, you want to commit them to this time for themselves. And then while you're on the floor and you've gathered all this information that Sal gathered during his assessment, now I'm going back and I'm doing what you call the assumption close. And I am, I'm explaining what we're going to be doing together. Well, then at that so, point you become, you, you start to prescribe, but even when you're on the workout floor, and you're doing an assessment, give them some, show them some solutions. Well, so, this is what I'm saying. Like you, okay, you say seated row, right? So let's yeah. take that. So you come over and you show them how they're not, they're not moving mechanically, right? And I'm like, okay, right. this is what's happening. You show them the right way and yeah. what it's going to do for you them. You show them the right way and then you explain now, this is what we're going to be doing. So the beginning of our program, I'm going to spend a lot of time on fixing a lot of these imbalances. Yes, you're, what's happening is you're taking the mystery away from what this is going to look like. If you can paint the picture, mm-hmm. look, if someone's coming in to, to an interested in training. Uh, the reality is they're not interested in training. They want to lose weight or they want to get stronger or they want to you know, feel better. If you can show them what that's going to look like, if they can see a clear path to yes. that goal, now it's they're far more likely to hire you because they know what it's going to look like. Not that they know what the program's going to look like or even what it's going to feel like, but they, they get an IDC now. They yeah. see the plan. They see what point A, point B, and point C may be. So now when we're done with the assessment, I can say to them, okay, I got a lots of information from this assessment. I think I know the direction we're going to go and what I'm going to recommend. Let's go back in my desk and we can talk about what training will look like uh, if you hire me. And you know what they'll say? Okay. And then you go sit down and that's it. It's, it's honestly 99% of it is what leads up to the final you know, which program works best for you, you know, final question. But this is all, this is how all communication works. And here's the other thing you want to think, you want to consider. I mean, Adam's talking about picking a session, you know, package that you may want to go with to, 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 you know, learn how to communicate better, to practice. But here's the bottom line. 
the most effective salespeople 100% fully believe in what they're selling. Uh, so yes, you can be a bullshitter. You can be a liar. You might be able to sell some, some stuff, but I've never met a salesperson who did not completely believe in what they were selling, who was, uh, one of the best. Well, that's the start. You have no business in a working, doing something that you don't, but I want to be, you're not passionate about it. I want to be clear about about it. It'll show, it'll show in your sales ability. Like that's, I want to be very clear because at the end of the day, knowing what I know about my product, wh- whether it be you know a pair of tennis shoes or my personal training or a car, knowing what I know about it, and if I believe in it, if I'm passionate about it, I know that you're going to like what you get with the money that you trade for it. Um, all I have to do now is just transfer that knowledge, that that knowing from my mind in your mind. If I could do that with a magic, you know, uh, with magic, if I could simply just, you know, fling my hand and then you automatically understand that you, if you hire me, you're going to get everything, you know, it's going to work out great for you. I'm not going to need to communicate effectively, right? It's, that would be very easy. Yeah. Well, I think that's how, I think that's how we all got really, uh, that's how we were all successful early, right? Like that was something that look reflecting now and looking back at like, okay, you know, I didn't have all these skills when I first started. How was I still successful? Well, I was still successful because I was very passionate about what I did. I really believed in what I was doing and how I was helping these people. And so that it's that like uh, if you if you express that really well, which that was what I was good. At. I was ex- able to express mm. that this this information that I have that I can give you is so valuable, and I'm so excited to share it with you. That, that energy would just transfer over into these people and it made sales very easy. I'm kind of talking, I guess I'm answering this question in a more advanced way where mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm assuming that this is a trainer or somebody who's already in sales, been doing it and they want to, they, and they've hopefully respect uh, that we probably have this, this, this skill set and have sharpened it. And I'm trying to show you like, these are ways that I've taken it to the next level as far as getting, taking my sales skills. It's to me, it's a no brainer and it's an obvious one that you need to be passionate about what you sell or you need to love what you're selling to be really, really good at. Now I can go sell something I totally don't believe in, but it will, it's, it'll be short lived. I won't be happy doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably, I will never I won't, be as good at it. Yeah. I'll it? never reach my full potential because you, in order to be great at something like well, that, yeah. people see right through if you don't have passion behind yeah. it, you know, it's it, as much as, as much charisma as you want to throw at them or knowledge, if, if truly deep down, like you're not a believer in your own shit, then that's going to come across, you know, whether it's with your body language or some other form. But, you know, people are smart. And, and a lot of times it's in the subtleties that, that really like reveal everything. Yeah. When you're doing your assessment, to me, you, that's your one hour to build as much value in who you are. Yeah. And that goes back to like what Sal was saying as far as when you're on the floor and you're showing them all this assessment. But then I'm trying to take you to the next level of the words that I'm conversing while I'm doing that is very powerful mm-hmm. because you're just planting seeds. That whole hour where you're asking questions, you're assessing them, you're taking them on the floor, you're showing them things that are like, oh, my God, they've never felt that or knew that. Yeah, that's all important. But it's even and it's even more important if you want to go to the next level is while you're teaching that you're also planting seeds on the sale because I'm going showing you something, Mm -hmm. moving your shoulders like Sal was saying with seated row. And then I'm turning around and I'm saying like, so this is kind of going to be the main focus for our first four to six weeks. Our first four to six weeks, we're going to do a lot of a set, uh, of fixing a lot of your posture. And this, and getting this your demonstrates body. a lot of uh, a lot of confidence. It, it demonstrates conf- confidence on your part, and especially when you're talking about fitness, uh, people are unsure about what to do. Maybe they're struggling with their you know their fitness, or maybe they're overweight or whatever. They want to work with someone who's very yes. confident. Yes, in, they're, in what they're doing. exactly. They, I mean, they are in front of you for a reason. They, they, I mean, I've always taught my trainers. I mean, I think of yourself like a doctor. If you ever walked into your doctor's office and your doctor sounded wavery around like what to do to fix your issue, are you ever going to go see that doctor again? Are you, if my doctor, if I went and saw my doctor and he was like, well, um, well, what do you want to do? Or what, uh, yeah. you know, uh, what do you think it is? Or, you well, know, asking questions like that to I me. Don't know. Or, Let's look on Google together. Right. Or he goes like, um, you <laughs> know, Web, I'm, MD? I'm not sure. Or, you know, or would you maybe, would you want to try this? Or would you, if he has this aloof, per, like, no, I want to hear my doctor say like, this is what you have. It's very common. It's very normal. It's probably going to take about five or six weeks for it to clear up. And then once we do this, then it, <laughs> it sounds like you've heard that a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got hey, doctor, tell yeah, me. Yeah. Back yeah. again, and then, Adam. And then, and then he tells me how 
to st- avoid it. Listen, you need to use protection. You need to stop yeah. doing this. You need. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. no. So, but you want that from an, a professional. Some that creams from my personal stash. You're seeking advice like that, so you need to have that mentality when you're taking this person through an assessment. Not only are you asking them all these good questions, not only are you getting on the floor and showing them uh, something that's tangible that they can go like, oh my god, I feel that difference. Oh my god, I noticed that. Oh my god, that explains why I hurt here. Then I want you to go to the next level and say be prescriptive about it. Now what we're going to do is this is, I'm going to spend this much time during your program helping you here and fixing this. Then we're going to work to, and we're going to go this direction. Then we're going to go to this direction. And then that's where I met, like, I'll take a number like 37 and I can say the first seven days, you know, or the first seven sessions, I'm going to spend a lot with you going over all of your posture Mm. and mechanics and fixing the neurological connection. Then your next 10 sessions, I'm going to take you through a lot of a strength-based type training. I want you to understand the importance of big compound movements and how to fire properly. And and then your next 10 sessions, you know what I'm saying? This is what I mean by taking your skill set to a next level is you- Seven days. You you learn what this person needs, and then you find a way to be prescriptive with the sessions. I think that uh, that is something that will really challenge uh, your skill set during uh, your growth as a salesman. Jody29 is asking about binge eating, how it develops, and how to overcome it. So binge, we're binge, learning a lot about this still. Yeah, binge eating. Um, first of all, we have to identify what uh, that really, you know, what that really means. Binge eating, the compulsive is, response. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's you eat. Obviously, you eat a lot, but then you feel shame afterwards. It's uh, being unaware. It's it's actually a lack of awareness. It's using food um, as a drug. Mm. So binge eating isn't because you're hungry. It's usually because you're either <clears throat> depressed or anxious uh, or really stressed out. Um, if you find yourself uh, shame, if you know, uh, being shameful about it, like, oh my God, I can't believe mm. I just ate that whole box of, of cookies and you start to feel real bad about yourself. Or if you uh, binge eat by yourself and you do these things where you're, you know, you're kind of hiding it, um, this is when it can really become a problem. Um, but at, at its root, at its core, uh, binge eating is um, you are self-medicating. It's no different than uh, using drugs or something else to uh, give you, you know, temporary relief of some kind of feeling. And the only way you're going to be able to stop um, or, you know, uh, in- interrupt this cycle is by becoming aware uh, that you're binge eating. And it has to happen while you're doing it. It yeah. can't be something that you do that you become aware of after because that only uh, encourages a cycle. I mean, think about it this way. And I know people listening right now mm. who, who do this, um, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Like they'll binge eat and then feel horrible and terrible about it afterwards. This is why there's binging and purging. You know, that's, that's another level, but that's why they're so strongly connected. Um, becoming aware of uh, what you're doing while you're doing it will stop it right in its tracks. And that doesn't mean... You're gonna get. You're gonna now all of a sudden feel better because you, now you've eliminated your drug. You've, you've eliminated what made you feel temporarily better for whatever emotional feeling you have. It's just making you aware of it. And the key now is to find something to replace it, um, so that you can replace it and then start to deal with the underlying. Well, I, f- I feel like that's why I F Y M is so dangerous because it, it could lead into it, it definitely, you know what I mean? When you start like really idolizing certain types of foods as being like sort of taboo, but I'm still including it in my, you know, perfectly balanced diet and everything's going great as long as it's in balance, you know, with this type of food in there, but that type of food is all you think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, those Twinkies. Well, think about it this way. Like, okay, I, b- here's the difference between binge eating and then just eating, you know, quote unquote bad food. If I really enjoy, let's say, let's say my mom makes this, uh, this, this chocolate cake that I grew up with and I just love that chocolate cake and I eat a slice of it and I really enjoy the taste of it. The way I eat that chocolate cake is going to look very different than if I'm binge eating it and I'm literally trying to eat as much as I can in as mm. short mm-hmm. a period of time as possible. I'm not even, I'm not even enjoying it. I am just inhaling uh, that food. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, not, it's, not about, it's not even about the food. It's about 
eating, 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 and Putting distracting it myself. Oh, it's or, about it's about feeding a, a craving, a strong craving that your your body is wanting, and you're just trying to stuff it, and you're just trying to, and it doesn't. And or you're eating it before somebody sees you. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so so when so you'll see this a lot with uh, people who diet really hard or competitors after their let's say they finish their show and they're done with their show, and then they go and um, and then they binge like crazy. This happens because there are underlying uh, food relationship issues that have not been addressed. And all they've done uh, when they were getting ready for the contest is they've, they've through sheer willpower, have blocked that, that food relationship issue. They've totally denied themselves from that food and blocked it. And what happens after the contest is known as a symptom eruption where if you if you have a particular symptom and you don't identify the root of it and you just block the symptom eventually the body will build up anxiety and stress over that particular issue and it will erupt at some point um this goes for any psychological issue so now you're done with your contest now this symptom eruption comes out where your your relationship to food was never solved just because you dieted cuz you can diet for 12 weeks or 18 weeks or whatever for, through sheer willpower does not mean you've identified and fixed your food relationship issues. And then when you're done with your contest, now you've got this eruption of, of symptoms, which is binge eating. And you've got these people gaining 20 pounds right after their contest and eating ridiculous and copious amounts of, you know, again, quote unquote, bad food and not even enjoying the bad food. It is literally, let me get as much of it in my mouth as I, as I, as I possibly can. And you see this all the time with, with this bodybuilders and bikini competitors, I see them post it like, I just finished my contest. I've been saving this box of Snickers yeah. and these donuts from Krispy Kreme and this large pizza and this Coke for right after the contest. Mm-hmm. That is binge eating. It's not enjoying the food. And again, it's a symptom. It's an eruption of symptoms because they've blocked, uh, they've, they've, they've just again through willpower have stopped themselves from eating, but they haven't identified the root. Of the problem to begin with. Well, you know, and I know I, I get a little bit of flack from people when I when I use comparisons of, of drugs and stuff and how how food is that way. But I personally I have gone through have gone through both. I've I've felt my body uh, addicted to painkillers before, and I've felt my body addicted to sugar before, and I'm very aware of it. And the sugar one was something that uh, it was it was actually hard, and it wasn't until recent did I really really notice it. Um, and I know we talked about um, going ketogenic uh, this last this past year, and when I went through that process, it was really for me. It was just I'm going to challenge myself with something and see how you know my body responds, and if I if I learned something from it, and I did, I, I learned a lot from it, uh, and I learned how sugar uh, affects my my body and my cravings and my and my food relationship. And that I was exactly that guy. I, I eat really good. And then if I go off the wagon, I go off the wagon. There's no, it's not like, like you said, it's not a, oh, I'm having a nice dinner with family and I'm not going to be weird and order something that's off the, off the menu and a pain in the ass or bring my Tupperware to a dinner table. I'm going to enjoy the food and that's all I'm going to do. No, it was like you said, it was, you know, oh man, I'm craving this red velvet cake. Okay. I'm going to eat the whole fucking thing. You know, I'm going to sit down and then I'm like, I'm not going to just crush one piece of it. I'm going to crush the whole thing because, and I would justify it because I've been so dialed. I've been so clean. I've been eating so good. I'm in good shape. I can afford to do this. And I would, and that's, and I would just waver back and forth, back and forth. And I, I noticed that, and this is why I I'm so anti IIFYM is because it, it justifies allowing these these nutrients or these uh, these foods that just because the the macros fit into my meal plan, uh, they're not ideal for my system, and and it would promote these crazy cravings. So you know, just having one soda would spike that craving, and then now I would want to have a piece of cake, and then I would want two pieces, then I want the whole thing, and I didn't have control of that, and that was a I had a really poor relationship with food because my whole life I've been trying to build and gain. And so I used to have the, and not to go, go even further back, go back to my childhood. My, my parents, I used to have sugar cereal. We could have, you know, donuts all the time. We had pancakes, syrup drowned all over them and chocolate chip pancakes for dinner. Like, I mean, there was no 
no, I didn't learn about food until way yeah, late. Don't think that those types of foods, it's not engineered in there. Right. You know, to give you that type of a, a craving and response. I mean, it, I literally, like, they broke down what was in, like, a potato chip and the reasoning and the science behind why it had a certain kind of crunch and crisp and, you know, gave you this, like, sensation in your mouth. And, like, you cannot, you literally can't just eat one of those things. Yeah. F- food is the most abused uh, substance on, uh, in modern modern societies, uh, period, end of story. It has drug effects on your body. Food is, uh, you know, made up of many, many chemicals and, and, you know, ingredients, and they do influence uh, feel-good chemicals in the brain from serotonin to dopamine, catecholamine production, and this is why we use food like a drug. And again, if you're you know, depressed or anxious or stressed out. And, and the more de- the more in denial you are, of it, probably the more of an issue you have. And that's, that's, that's I, the first step. Is- you have to, yes, you have to interrupt the, the cycle because the cycle becomes, I'm going to binge eat. And by the way, most of the time, not always, but most of the time when people are having an issue with binge eating, they do it by themselves. They very rarely will binge eat in front of other people unless there's this codependency where mm. you and your friend are both, you know, you know, you've got you and your friend both did a, a contest and now you're both out of the contest. Now you go both binge eat together. Uh, that's not quite as common as people binging on their own, but you have to interrupt the process. And right before it happens, you have to say to yourself out loud, and this is a very difficult thing to do, but you have to say to yourself out loud, okay, I, I'm going to binge. I feel like I'm going to binge. Why? I'm feeling anxious. Um, and, and sometimes that's all you need to do is just start that process. Maybe don't even stop the binge, just say it and then eat the food. And then slowly you'll find yourself finding other solutions for whatever, you know, feeling or emotion you're feeling. I'm depressed. Uh, I want to binge eat right now. Um, you know what I did it last time. You know what I'm gonna do instead? I'm going to go for a walk instead. And it takes, it, it takes a few, quite a bit of cycles of doing this before you interrupt that pattern. And then you'll find that you won't be nearly, uh, you're not going to be driven nearly as much to binge eat as you were before. But step one is awareness. Yeah. I can't tell you how many yeah. people are simply not aware of what they're doing when they're doing it until after it's done. Well, I and then you're in the shitty cycle if you feel yeah, they just shitty satisfied about- a need that, that came out of nowhere. Well, yeah. and, and I know there's a lot of people that fall in the same category as me is where you because you're fit and you look good you just you just you think you have this great relationship with yeah invincibility that's 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 one more layer of not being aware because what happens is while you're doing it while you're eating the food afterwards is when you justify afterwards is when you say to yourself well i'm fit i'm already lean i look good i didn't gain any weight what's the big deal um but a true binging is a very unaware process. It's an it's an impulse. Uh, it's an impulse right during the act of it. It's an impulse. It's, I don't I don't mean mindless like you're a zombie, but if you find that before you binge, it's hard for you to say you're about to binge. Like say it out loud. Like okay, I'm about to mm-hmm. eat all these Twinkies right now. Most of you who binge don't even want to fucking do that because you know how you painful it, it. You, it's so painful to become aware yeah. that you would rather stay in the dark. And uh, I know I'm ringing some bells right now. Some people are thinking, saying, "Oh shit, that's a, mm-hmm. that's exactly you know yeah. what happens to me." But that's how you it. stop it. You got to say it first. Like, well, okay. this is always the first thing that I I teach a client when I'm assessing their their food is their sugar relationship. And I, what what documentary is it? I've seen a couple, and I can't remember what what's the good one on sugar. There's one called um, on Netflix called I don't uh, remember somebody. I'm somebody on our forum. If you guys, I'm somebody's. Let's we'll post this yeah, for sure. I don't know. So, uh, and I've seen a couple on it. I just want to mess it up. So once the forum, uh, puts that out, I think is it that sugar film? No, it's a different one. All right. It's a different one. So if you said the title, I would know anyway, somebody on the forum will remember, and then I'll make sure to, to shout it out on the, on the radio show. Maybe fed up, fed up, fed up. It's a good one, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. Okay. But anyways, these, uh, it's a great documentary and it just gets, it goes really deep into the industry. And, uh, and like what Justin was saying, how the, the food industry has learned to manipulate it. That's why like literally 80% of the foods that's in a grocery store have sugar in them. And yeah. they're, and a lot of them are like, and they, sales go up. Oh, and they get away by disguising it, by making it calorie free or, or making it all, uh, in all these different types different of alcohols. Yes. Different, different alcohols sneak right past you, right? Yeah. Different corn syrup, but all of it is really to get you addicted to wanting more of it. Absolutely. And when you, and you don't really realize it until you make a conscious effort to pay attention to how much, how many grams of sugar you're getting every single day and then make an effort to significantly reduce that or eliminate it and then see how you feel. And when I make that connection to clients, it's always the, the big one that 
that they come back and they're like, wow, I didn't, I thought I didn't eat a lot of sugar because I don't eat candy. When mm-hmm. people, people, when you ask someone, do you eat a lot of sugar? They're yeah, like, they think of the obvious. They think, yeah, they think the obvious. They're like, well, I don't eat candy and ice cream or drink soda. So no, I don't eat hardly if any If you eat sugar. packaged and processed foods yeah, a you, lot, you're yeah. going to have a higher, yeah, higher anything, sugar intake. Anything you eat out of a box or at a wrapper, you're and corn. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> they fucking yeah. put and, corn in everything. And the thing about sugar is sugar is just a very quick acting, uh, t- you know, part of a carbohydrate or type of carbohydrate that's going to, uh, it's going to have more of a drug effect on the body than other types of food. Doug, just remember what it was called, sugar-coated. Sugar-coated. Yeah. Yeah, and so sugar is one of the first things that you'll want to kind of avoid. But before you do that, again, you got to become aware of, of what you're doing. And, you know, again, you're, you're using food as a drug. Now, again, I want to be very clear, if you remove food, that's not going to solve your problem because it can turn into other things. You'll find other compulsions. I found people who compulsively exercised because they removed food. Now they become these right. workoutaholics, and you know. So you've got to identify what the root causes. But I want to also touch on what what uh, Adam and Justin were saying about you know how um, food companies engineer foods and you know create these things to you know put more sugar in them and stuff like that. At the end of the day. We have to understand one thing. The market is consumer driven. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as much as these people are adding sugar and doing if we don't buy it, oh, yeah. you they won't make you it. You can't get mad at them. That's their job. They're, their job no, is to do You that. have to be educated enough though yeah. to make a better decision. Yeah, they're they're giving you what you want. Yeah. And and if it at the end of the day, when you look at what you want and you you're disgusted and you look at the market and you're like, God, look at all this sugary food. Don't get mad at them. Their job is to give you what you want. You just got to change what you it's want. It's like you said, you're giving them a vote to stay in business. That's it. You, you got to realize that. Like you're telling them, here's what I want. I want this. And the way I'm telling you is I'm buying it. So once you make, change those habits and those things, you'll see the market start to change. Next question is from Cameron Tolui. How do you properly go to failure in your workout? And when do you implement? This is Very, a great question. Great question. And yeah. I feel like we haven't... Uh, because we're, we're, for the most part... Yeah, we talk anti-failure. So well, I think people yeah. people are uh, under the impression that we never train we never trained to failure. Right. Yeah. And it's that's not true at all. I, I do train to failure. And I and I do it uh, relatively often. Like, uh, intermittently. Yeah, intermittently. Yeah. I, I feel like I treat uh, failure training the same way I treat intermittent fasting. I have that same type of relationship with it where mm-hmm. I But think, see, I wouldn't compare the two. Because that's more frequent. I want to make sure I don't, we don't compare the two because uh, f- fasting is um, something that if it depends on the individual, but it can be done rel- relatively frequently. Failure for most people, especially if you train with a lot of frequency, is just too much intensity most of the time. It's just most of the time, it's just too much, well, especially yeah. for most people that work out. And especially like, at a really high volume too. Yeah, and you're, and, I mean, Adam, you're very, you're advanced. You've been working out for a very, very long time. Well, this is why we preach against it so much, but I want to be honest with people. And you because, know when to use it. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like it's, we're, we obviously have a, a huge audience and there's a, a definitely a good portion that are advanced lifters. We have a lot of competitors. We have a lot of mm-hmm. uh, people that have been lift trainers. We have a lot Power of lifters. We yes. Kinds yes. Of we've had a lot that. of people that have been training for 20 years and stuff. So we, we tend to, as trainers, we tend to, to send our message towards the general population and the majority, which I think we do a good job of, but I don't want to uh, misguide uh, my advanced person who is uh, at the next level of training and is, is trying to get intuitive training, intuitive eating, I feel it's important that I share that I utilize a tool like failure, but I've learned on exactly what failure and failure to me may not be the same uh, measure of failure to you or somebody else. Like to I, me, I can it, pretty much guess how you how you go to failure, uh, and it's not the way I think a lot of people go to failure. Yeah, because I don't need a spot. Yeah, so if you don't need a that. spot. It's totally different. Yeah, yeah I um, think if a failure, the, the the way you should go to failure is basically that's the the last rep you could do with really good form. Mm-hmm. Now you could power through another two reps. Rep, even, yeah, yeah two, one or two shitty reps. Which is where I think people fail because there was a lot of confusion years ago, uh, or I think failure changed what it meant because you had uh, guys like Mike Menser who came out with like heavy duty, and then Dorian Yates with you know his blood and guts mm-hmm. type of training. Their uh, interpretation of failure was you couldn't. That's it. You're done. You fail. Literally, like you try to lift the weight and you fail. Mm-hmm. Is how they they uh, you know defined failure, which that's beyond failure in my book. I don't recommend that to anybody. I yeah. don't think you should squat until you can't squat anymore. Mm. That's too much, pretty much all the time, unless you're like testing yourself out. 
uh, failure uh, in this in the in the way that I would use it is like Adam says, like I'm doing an exercise and this is the last good rep. Yeah, the next rep is not going to be good, so I'm not going to do it. I, I totally agree with you guys. Uh, as far as like that's how I would utilize failure probably more frequently if I if I did it with those types of uh, you know with that method. I do, however, like see a place, you know, maybe let's call it quarterly or whatever, where I'm testing out my skills. Say I want to look and see, um, you know, what I'm really capable of mechanically. I put all this effort in all year or I've put all this effort in, you know, all off season. And now I want to, you know, test myself in, in, you know, very skill oriented type of exercises. And yeah. so that's, that's where I, you know, I may like, I may catch myself taking taking a chance a little bit above, you know, above that level. But you're, you're but not doing it to to elicit further or faster gains. You're doing it because you want to see where you're at. No, that's that's strictly just to see where I'm at yeah, and to, to put a to to put a bar established of what I need to work on going forward. Well, I think of it like this, like because there's there's science to support going to failure. It's not like it's like. We combat that and be like, mm. we, we just try and teach people to look at um, the biggest pieces that are going to make the biggest change and help them and, and not going to failure, we know and we have found is a, a far a far better advice to you know ninety percent of every everybody out there, you know, than mm-hmm. that small portion of people, okay, let's talk about how we do utilize failure or how often you would uh, use a tool like that. And when, when I intermittently put it in there, I am, I'm kind of flirting with, uh, okay. And trying to feel myself out. Like, let's say, let's say I did that today. Let's say today I've decided like, okay, I'm going to train my squat to failure and I'm going to train, uh, my bench press to failure. And we'll just pick those two. And I do, I take it all the way to failure and and I'm, and I blast it. Right. And then the next day I'm really sore. And based off of how sore I am, to me, is my indicator on how far I, I went beyond that I needed to. Mm. Most people look at soreness as, oh, yeah, I got a good workout in. Mm. I don't look at a soreness like that because I look at soreness. Is this going to affect my lift tomorrow that I have to go do again where I have to use it? And if it affects my lift, then I pushed too far. So I always want to try and push to that limit to where it doesn't hinder the next workout but not so much to where I'm sore and I it, it takes away from that mm-hmm. next lift. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I was I was just thinking about that and like thinking about <clears throat> you know our messages as far as like what we're trying to tell your average person, but then also athletes. And then I'm like thinking about it and reevaluating that. Like, it, I wonder if you know like these benchmarks and these tests and all that that should be further evaluated for athletes because. Why, you know, what does it matter per se, the, the one rep max as opposed to four to, you know, six or eight or whatever, like that, like it, it's irrelevant It is as far as to how you perform uh, on the field and, you know, what, what it actually provides you as an athlete, you know, on the team, you know, and like going into the season, like it, these are all just numbers uh, for ego. Did you know? Did you know? I didn't. It's I very know. ego, and, and that's I, my, my ego is already protecting that because I'm like, oh, well, I still want to like I, get a one rep max. I never once used the term PR uh, until just like two years ago. That in fact, I used to I used to like proudly say like when someone asked me like, oh, which, what do you bench mm-hmm. or what do you squat or what do you you know what, ask me a lift? I would literally say like, I don't know. I don't pay attention to that. I don't care. It doesn't do me. Me, my P, my uh, being able to squat five hundred versus four hundred isn't you know really dictating my programming. It's not. It's what. It's not yeah. changing those things. Unless so, you're powerlifting, that's yeah, it. Yeah, right. Because it doesn't serve it's that only, much of a, it only thing. Doesn't serve that much of a purpose. Now I enjoy doing it. I definitely got into it when I was chasing Sal and being competitive with that. But it really it had no place in my training ever before where i would even discuss it like it didn't matter to me in mm-hmm. fact i i used to tease and mock people that that's what they were always chasing because yeah. that, it was that well cro- that was me it was that <laughs> it was that yeah. crossfit mentality of uh-huh. you know like the, you know oh what's your pr pr and i'm like dude these people are why why yeah. you know are you get, are you if you're getting ready to get out and i'm totally this is not like if you're a powerlifter or you aspire to be a powerlifter then absolutely this this belongs mm-hmm. in your programming like it's mm-hmm. necessary so, to test your strength well, levels and 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 try and time uh, it, it feeds the ego it, it it was a source of pride you know like especially if you're like 
pretty good in comparison to people around you at like certain lifts. Yeah. You know, it becomes a, a pride thing. And then, you know, for us to kind of like challenge that pride, Test- it, it challenges your ego. Testing a PR is like, uh, testing a PR for a, a power is like for a power lifter, what, um, measuring your food is for a competitor. Or, or just measuring you know, your biceps. Like, I don't find... I don't like, you don't yeah, see yeah. powerlifters going, my arm grew an inch. Like, okay, well, what's your deadlift and squat? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Did those go up? Yeah. yeah. It's the same it's thing. It's all right. a matter it's, of and, what... And that's why I think it's important to note that. What that you care about. That's, what, that, that's where that stuff matters. Like, And people are asking me now, like, hey, what are your macros right now? I'm like, ah, fuck, I don't really know exactly because it doesn't matter right now. I'm not chasing to be on stage. Like, mm-hmm. And then I'm like in this maintain type of mentality, so... I don't weigh or measure anything. I have an idea because I've been counting food my for a long time, especially getting ready for a show. So I understand like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm probably around here, probably that. But my relationship like that has totally changed because it doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. same thing goes for the powerlifting, the PR. The only time my PR ever mattered was when I was trying to literally chase Sal mm-hmm. and beat him. You know, like that was that was the only time it mattered. Now that I, that I don't care about that, I'm not measuring it that often. Yeah. So here's so here's something you want to consider. Okay, uh, we got all these people, for example, doing our maps programs, and we say don't go to failure. We always tell people don't go to failure. I can guarantee you, at some point in each phase. They inadvertently went to failure. Yeah. Uh, so one of the re- one of the other reasons why I never tell people go to failure is because you don't have to. It kind of happens sometimes by accident because yeah. strength changes. You get stronger. Okay, I'm trying to predict trying that I can add 10 skill. pounds. Yeah, and it, it just kind of, you're not there yet. No, you don't need to tell people to go to failure. I think when you tell people to go to failure, then that becomes their metric. Mm-hmm. And every fucking workout, every exercise becomes... You know, can I lift to failure? Yeah. And uh, here's the thing. It's a tool. It's a tool like anything, but it is a tool with wide reaching effects. And if you utilize that tool more than a little bit, uh, it's going to be too much because you can still send those signals for your body to build muscle without going to failure. And so why go to failure when all I'm doing now is I'm compromising my body's ability to recover, not just my muscles, but my central nervous system as well. That's what really takes a beating when you go to failure. It's not even your muscles as much as it's your it's your CNS because you're you're just pushing so yep. hard, you're calling upon it to really fire so strongly and the CNS takes much longer to recover than muscles do. So it's just it's just one of those things and I like I said, if you work out 3-4 days a week or whatever in the gym, I'm, and you don't you try not to go to failure. You're probably inadvertently going to go to failure every once in a while because again, it's hard to predict your weights and reps and yeah, how much you're going to lift. I feel and, like that's how I feel like that's kind of how it, it happens uh, intermittently into my training. Right, is, you're not going in there thinking usually. Right, you're not yeah, typically never, thinking. Never, I never go in going like I'm going to take. I'm going to crush today. I'm yeah. going to beast mode or you today. Just I don't feel really good. And I don't feel like you could get a yeah, lot more it, reps. And that's how yeah. I'm, I'm feeling it out. And when it, when I do feel good, I might have those moments where I and I, and I know. When I'm going there, right? Like I normally I would go like, okay, I would shut it down here, but I feel good today, so I'm going to get an extra set or an yeah. extra rep, or I'm going to I'm going to push a little more than I normally would. And then after I do that, the very next thing I'm paying attention to is how did I feel after the workout? Mm. How did I sleep that night? How do I feel the next day? How do I feel like when I get into my next workout? And in comparison to well, that, well, I think to be honest, like that's why because it like how to properly, you know, plan failure into the to the workout is irrelevant because it's so easy to do. Yeah. You know, whereas the opposite is way more challenging. Yeah, it's way know? more challenging to push to that limit without going over that limit yes. than it is to just go over that limit. Anybody can any and that's we we make and fun that of, happens any, like any, we make fun of trainers anybody. that do this. Any you know? idiot can go to failure. And that that's yeah. this is uh this is an epidemic in the in the fitness industry right now because right now most of your programming that's out there it's it's measured by its uh intensity it's measured by how mm-hmm. fucking sore did you get it when you did it like that is that is the worst thing that you that's not what you're searching for you should mm-hmm. not be searching for the next person's program who designed this and did it fuck you up more than the last one and then that in your eyes that's a better no that's not a better program mm-hmm. a better program is one that you continually see results from and you don't got to hammer yourself that way right. because if you can continue to progress the body and get and not have to go to failure and destroy it every single time let me tell you you're going to be able to maintain that that where your fitness level for much longer running a program like that than running something that is just going to hammer the shit out of you. And, and, and here's the other thing about going to failure. It's it's easy to measure in the sense that I know when I go to failure, right? 
when I tell someone to stop two reps short of failure, that's kind of tough. Sometimes I stop two, I think I'm stopping two reps short and then I do the next set and I realize I could have done two more before I had to go two more to fail. So it's, it's much more difficult to not go to failure. It takes time to learn your body to know when you should stop a set. Um, going to failure again, it's very easy. Like I can tell any idiot squat until you can't squat anymore or squat until you feel like you're, you know, your, your next rep is going to be really crappy and you'll see people push themselves that limit. It's anybody, a beginner can do that. It's much more difficult to know when to stop, you know, two reps uh, short of that. Mm-hmm. And I also want to touch upon, because I know people are listening right now and there's some people who are like, oh, I saw a study that showed two groups, you know, working out. I'm and, glad you're going to go And here. the group went to failure, got better gains. Okay, uh, when you in when you use a variable or a tool like failure in a short period of time, eight weeks or twelve weeks, yeah. no shit, it's, it's going to short show period of time. It's a, it's it's going to show some benefit because it's a it's a tool, it's a it's an intensity tool that may show faster benefit in a shorter period of time. Stretch that out over the long term, and I guarantee you, the failure group will not succeed well, nearly as much. Well, think the same way this, and I love using extreme analogies for the shock and awe purpose. Imagine if we did that exact same study and we put one group on cocaine that entire two weeks and then the other group is all naturally have nothing in their system. <laughs> Always goes back as far as like work productivity. Yes, right? Like who, who And the cocaine group is going to burn more calories, have more energy, yeah. right? That's going to be the feedback. That's obvious. But the long-term effect on their body, it, do is anyone think that would yeah. be smart to do? Of course not, right? And I sound that's their an brain extreme, That's an extreme analogy for the way people treat intensity. Is it's abused? It's not. It is. It is something that intermittently has its place in programming because it, there is science that supports there are benefits to it. But you don't treat it like it, it's something that needs to be in there every so there single. Is workout. a place for cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops, was that the, the right message? That wasn't the message I was oh, trying okay. to give. I think that's okay. where we should end it. Yeah. If you like Mind Pump, leave us a five star rating review on iTunes. If we like your review and we pick it, you'll get a free Mind Pump T shirt. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal, Justin at Mind Pump Justin, and Adam is at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>